Welcome to the AgriFutures Chicken Meat Program podcast. I am with Professor Steve Walkden-Brown, who is a Professor of Animal Science at the University of New England, to talk about his recent project that looked at the dynamics of infectious laryngotracheitis virus, or ILT, um, and it spread the role of dust in epidemiology, diagnostics and control. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for joining me today to talk about this project. So ILT has been a disease of concern for the industry for some time now. Firstly, I just really wanted to talk to you about the background of this project and what initiated it. Thanks, Rochelle. Look, yes, ILT has, has been a problem mainly in the, mainly in the eastern states um, where you've got sporadic outbreaks um, it's a very nasty disease, causes a lot of suffering in chickens, upper respiratory tract infection, coughing, blood, gasping. And unlike a lot of other diseases where, you know, vaccinating, if you vaccinate routinely, you pretty much eliminate the disease. We, we tend to have that idea in our mind. In the um, egg industry and the breeder industry, you, you can vaccinate um, the chickens more or less routinely with an eye drop vaccination. So each bird gets an accurate dose of vaccine and that tends to control um, the disease uh, fairly well, supplemented with maybe water vaccination. With broilers, um, the meat industry, there's just too many birds to do that kind of control. They don't live very long. The reactions um, can be dangerous in younger birds. So we've gone to mass vaccination approaches uh, when there's an outbreak and those involve taking a virus that was designed to be put into um, an eye drop and applying it in the drinking water and hoping that enough of the chickens get uh, effectively vaccinated to protect against the disease and, and so lots can go wrong with that process and doesn't always work and so yeah, so it's a it's it, it's a nasty complex disease that doesn't have an easy solution. Um, and this project was uh, a collaboration between myself and Associate Professor Peter Groves at the University of Sydney um, to see if we could um, look at better ways of um, vaccination and, and find out what actually happens when we vaccinate birds. Uh, could we improve on that? And could we f- come up with better ways of evaluating? the ILT status of a, of a flock of chickens, both from vaccination point of view or a infectious ILT point of view. Thanks very much for that, Steve. Um, I know that, um, yeah, vaccination was definitely one component of this project, but there was also looking at other ways that you could, could verify some, some of that information too with where ILT might have been in a flock. And you meant, and particularly, um, it was noted in the title of this study that you were looking at dust specifically mm. in um, looking at it for those types of epidemiological diagnostics. Dust did play a large part in, in this project. And I was just wondering, what exactly did you look at? Thanks, Rochelle. I'll just give you a bit of background to the idea of dust testing first. We did that, our group, again with Peter Groves earlier, years ago with Marek's disease. We discovered that you could quickly assess what was happening in a flock. So what a dust test is, so Marek's disease virus is shed in the feather dander, the fluff, the dandruff, the chicken shed. And so it was obvious that for that virus, you might be able to measure 
the amount of virus in the environment using a polymerase chain reaction to detect the viral DNA. And so within Marek's disease virus, it was very successful at determining which birds were vaccinated, infected or not. And it's, it's what we call a population level test. These PCR tests cost 100 to 150 bucks each, depending on the number of samples you do. And so a population, so the example that most people would be familiar with would be, uh, say, with COVID-19. So at times during that outbreak, we were, you know, doing 100,000 tests a day with with swabs and a a real-time PCR at 100 bucks each. I think that's 10 million bucks a day. But you would have also read reports that they had detected in the sewerage wastewater in this suburb or that suburb that the virus was present in a suburb. So instead of $10 million for 100 bucks, they found out that, and often earlier than the other testing would tell you, they found out earlier that there was a problem in Armadale or Dubbo or you know some suburb of Sydney. So you're, you're assessing in a single sample uh, a composite of the population. And so with the dust testing, the same thing, every chicken uh, sheds excreta, it expectorates, sheds dander and things into the environment and contributes to a common environment. And so a bit like swab dragging for salmonella testing or something like that, we can reduce the cost of testing by testing a population level sample. So we took our ideas from MDV and we don't think ILTV shed, well, we're pretty sure it's not shed in feather dander and tested if they would work with ILT. I mean, short story is yes, dust testing worked really well. So what you do is you've set up, and these are the results condensed, um, you know, we've set up different types of plates, but you set up a passive dust collection plate. In the end, we've used a funnel with a little screw-in jar at the bottom. The dust collects in the funnel. After a week or so, you tap the side of the funnel. The dust falls into, there's a holder. So the funnel hangs on your um, down wires, you know, your feeders or drinker wires. And it's above head height or at head height, so it's not going to interfere with machinery and workers in the shed. Dust settles passively in the collector. You tap the side and um, goes down into this jar at the bottom. You unscrew the jar, put a lid on it, and you send that off to the lab. Now, the DNA, because dust is dry, we've shown that the DNA, whether it's whether it's ILT virus or Marek's disease virus or any other pathogen, in that sample is stable because it's dry. It doesn't break down. So you don't have to, you're not talking about eskies and fridges and getting things in a rush to a lab. It can rattle around. We've shown in our experiments that the dust, the DNA or RNA, um, some viruses are RNA viruses, is stable in the dust for up to four months, provided the sample's dry. So that can be sent to the lab in the normal mail. No big rush, not like a, a, a say a swab, a tracheal swab or something which goes off if it's not chilled and sent to the lab and processed, you know, within a day or so. So that's a big advantage. But so we're measuring something at a population level. The two uses that we we ended up out of our project, out of lots of work and experiments was, one was it was a pretty good measure of how well your vaccination team had worked. So if you went in seven days after, um, a week after vaccination and you collected a dust sample, a week after vaccination and there was a lot of virus in there, you were pretty sure you'd had a good vaccination event. Um, if the virus levels were very low or absent, you had a, um, a significant problem with your vaccination process. So that, um, and that was very nice and all the experimental 
farms we worked on, but when we started working on more farms and additional 52 farms we got involved in, we suddenly found out that sometimes that ILT virus was present in flocks before vaccination. And that really um, stuffed up the interpretation of that day seven test. So we've refined the test for vaccination success to get a day zero. So you put chicks come in at placement, you hang your, your dust collector up in the shed. You need two, preferably if it's, if it's a tunnel ventilated shed down near the fan end, because you collect more dust. The amount of virus in the dust doesn't matter where in the shed you hang the collector, but it's better down the, the fan end because that's where you collect a little bit more dust. So you put the two plates in at um, chick placement, and then vaccinations normally, you know, between one and two weeks of age, water vaccination. The day of vaccination, before you're touching vaccine or do anything, you collect the dust sample from your two tubes, your two collectors, and you can blend it. You can mix it, um, pool it. You're really collecting two in case something goes wrong with one of them. It blows off, someone knocks it, um, something goes wrong. You collect the two. That gives you a day zero, a pre-vaccination test, which you hope is zero. Now, if that has virus in it, it tells you that ILT is present in your flock, maybe not even causing disease, but in a background way before day zero. And we found a significant number of farms that was the case. Seven days later, you've done your vaccination and then you should see a big jump and a big positive response to vaccination. So that's, you know, those tests, like I said, are around a hundred bucks each. So day zero, so a couple of hundred dollars. Uh, you get to know whether your vaccination team is doing a good job or not doing a good job following the SOPs or not. But you don't, you don't generally know how well the vaccination is happening unless you are able to measure it. So that was the first use of the dust test as a kind of a, a reasonably economical way to evaluate vaccination practices within your company. Uh, the second use was, was when we discovered that, you know, in some of the farms we discovered this early presence of vaccine virus before vaccination happened. Some of that was in South Australia during a, a big outbreak of ILT in South Australia. They hadn't had a major outbreak this big ever. They'd had some minor ones in the past. And so we were able to work with a major integrator um, during the life of our project where they used our dust testing together with a whole bunch of other biosecurity and measures to manage the outbreak and what what the dust testing enabled them to know to do was in all the different parts where they were working they could get a snapshot of what was happening by taking dust tests and saying okay here and i should point out at this stage when you do an ilt pcr test on a dust sample at the moment our polymerase chain reaction dna testing if you like can't tell the difference between a vaccine virus or a a nasty field virus. There's reasons why that's the case. It's annoying that it is the case, but it is. But you can then do another test, a more expensive test, another 100 to 200 bucks from the dust sample to tell you which virus you're dealing with, vaccine or wild type. So over time, they were able to do dust testing, determine where they should be vaccinating, determine that there was a, over time with all the, all the biosecurity practices, wash down, truck routes, processing plant, things they were doing, that the proportion of nasty virus was reducing over time and the places that were detecting it, the vaccine virus was the dominant virus. And in the end, they were able to decide to stop vaccinating and declare themselves free of the virus by dust testing all their farms, pretty much, collecting a dust test at the end of batch 
and showing that they were all negative for ILTV. And they were then said, we don't have this virus anymore. And that was all done sort of within a manageable budget. If you were to do individual tests of, you know, even, even 10 or 15 birds per shed, the costs are astronomical. So two uses of the dust test. One, to test your vaccination uh, processes uh, if you're basically in a, a non-outbreak area. If you are in a ILT outbreak area, you can track the progress of how you're managing the outbreak pretty well with dust samples. Long answer to a short question, um, Rochelle. That's what professors do. <laughs> no, thank you so much for that, Steve. You've given some really great practical advice, actually. And even just when you mentioned the location of where to, to collect the samples from down the fan end of the shed too, I think it's some really good practical advice for, for people that are wanting to, to take on this type of sampling too. And um, it's, as you mentioned, it's economical, it's easy to do, and it's something that people can use to for a number of different purposes too. So thank you very much for your time. No worries, Rochelle. Thank you for and uh, to the audience for listening. I, I should probably say, um, I think the dust test is offered at, at Burling Avian Laboratories. We do it at the University of New England through myself as well. Um, are a couple of uh, locations. There may be other labs offering it as well. I'm not sure. So thank you, Rochelle. Thanks, Steve.